In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. Well, that's the beginning of what has to be the most profound theological treatise ever written on the Incarnation. It's utterly comprehensive, even though it's only 18 verses, and you've guessed it by now. It's the first couple of verses of the book of John. My name is Steve West. Jacksonville First United Methodist Church is the church that I serve as pastor, and I welcome you to the Pray Together podcast today, where we'll be exploring the topic, prayer and the incarnation. Prayer and the incarnation, something that's dear to me during my times of meditation this time of year. Now, I confess, I've got a kind of a lengthy introduction to my suggestions for you today, uh, because my inspiration comes from a meme of sorts that I saw. It's a picture on Facebook that was posted by my friend, Corey Burns, a fellow pastor at Scottsboro First United Methodist Church. It's a picture I saw a few days ago of St. Nicholas of Myra. Now, St. Nicholas was the bishop who inspired Santa Claus, and he was punching out Arius at the Council of Nicaea. He just decked him out. I had never seen that picture or heard of that legend. Now, you may be familiar with the Council of Nicaea. It's the first ecumenical council of seven ecumenical councils of the ancient church that were really important. It it was called in 325 AD by Constantine. You may remember he was the emperor of Rome who had become a Christian. And he called together 300 bishops from across the church to do a few things like they set the dating method for Easter, some other things. But the most important thing they did was address the Arian controversy. This is factual. Arian was teaching, Arius was teaching that Jesus was the son of God, yes, but created by God. Firstborn, yes, but lesser than the Father, not part of a trinity. Lesser than God the Father. And his foe in this discussion at Council of Nicaea was Athanasius, the defender of the full humanity and full divinity of Christ. I know about all that. Many of us have heard those facts. Well, I had never heard this entertaining story with this meme that I saw. And I was just laughing, imagining Santa Claus punching out a heretic. I I suppose if Santa was going to do that, it would definitely be over the divinity of the baby Jesus. But I never heard about that, so I checked into it. Now, I can't tell you the story's true, but I can tell you it's a true legend. Corey wasn't making it up. The legend is that St. Nicholas struck Arius in the face when he was making his speech to the Council of Nicaea. Arius had been arguing that Jesus was not fully divine, not co-equal with the Father, and I guess St. Nick had had enough. Now, I can't tell you it's true, but it is a true legend because according to the St. Nicholas Center at Virginia Theological Seminary, which is an Episcopal seminary, it's a true story. So I'm going to call it a true legend, truly a legend. The St. Nicholas Center website says Constantine was so appalled that a bishop would act in this way when he had made it illegal to strike someone in his very presence. But out of respect, he left 
their judgment of St. Nicholas to the bishops, who then stripped St. Nick of the bishop's robes and put him in chains and put him in jail. And the legend is Nicholas was ashamed and prayed for forgiveness, though he was unwavering in his belief in the divinity of Christ. And during the night, Jesus and Mary came to him in a vision, asking why you were in jail. And he said, because of my love for you. And then, according to the legend, Jesus gave him a book of the gospels and Mary gave him a bishop's garment. So when the jailer came in the morning, he found his chains loose on the floor and found St. Nick dressed in bishop's robes, quietly reading the scriptures. And when he made sure Constantine was told, he freed and reinstated him as the Bishop of Myra. There we have it. Santa Claus got away with it and his views prevailed. Now, whether that legend's true or not, or whether you believe the more believable version that simply says Constantine had a dream in which Jesus and Mary gave the Gospels and robes to St. Nick. One thing I do know is the Council of Nicaea was important, and St. Nicholas was there. It is a fact that it's an important part of our faith. I've always been fascinated with Arius and his opposition on the Council of Nicaea, St. Athanasius. Sometimes during the Christmas holidays, I read Athanasius's brief treatise on the Incarnation. It's classic, where he says, In Christ, the Spirit of God came down from above that we might be brought from below, and that Christ became what we are so that we might become what he is. In other words, so we might become like him. I was once uh, in an antique shop with my wife, Sandy, and I was walking around, saw an icon, and said, that's Athanasius. And Sandy said, there is no way you would know that. I said, I'm sure that's Athanasius. There's no way you would know that, she said. I looked it up on my phone. I, it was Athanasius, and I bought it that day, and it's been in my office ever since. To remind me, some beliefs are that important. Now, you probably haven't punched out any heretics lately. I know it's been a year when some of us felt like it, but what beliefs are important to you? What is that important to you? Now, that's a long introduction to talk about for a moment why the incarnation is that important. It's the reason we have Advent and Christmas. Yes, this is the same Emperor Constantine who in the 4th century, about a decade before the Council of Nicaea, adapted and adopted a pagan winter solstice festival as Christmas to point all those things to Christ and Christ's divinity. That long, elaborate introduction today I'm sharing with you is to encourage you with a few ways of praying the Incarnation during this holy season. Praying the Incarnation. Over the years, I've sat in the quiet and pondered it and prayed over the Incarnation so many life-changing times. And I have five suggestions for you to consider praying the Incarnation this year. First suggestion is, of course, Lectio Divina, meditative reading on John chapter 21, or John chapter 1, the first 18 verses. I did this yesterday and ended up chewing on and journaling about the first two verses I began with today, the whole time of my hour of meditation. Uh, powerful stuff, uh, John chapter 1, those first 18 verses. The amazing mystery of the Incarnation. Savor every word and respond. That's one way to pray the Incarnation. A second way um, that I use, I happen to have in my office a version of the classic icon traditionally called Christ's Pantocrator. 
it's uh, easy to find a version of it online if you don't, if you haven't seen it. Often, uh, it emphasizes the throne or the judgment seat of of Jesus and Orthodox tradition. But more than that, for me, there's power in in that icon of Jesus holding the gospel in one hand and making that ancient hand signal, that Christogram that you find people blessing with and priests blessing with in ancient art, indicating the humanity and the divinity of Christ, that mystery of Christ. I have a copy of the oldest known version of this classic icon, which features two, I think it's from St. Catherine. It features two sides of Jesus' face, one representing the humanity and the divinity of Christ. And I sometimes just gaze upon that, read that icon, and think about the grand mystery of the incarnation, the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. The third suggestion I have just comes from traditional Ignatian spirituality. Spend time with the narrative of the nativity story in the Gospel of Luke. Enter the scene. Imagine the sights and smells. Journal about what you experience. You may know, of course, the story, the legend of the first nativity scene, which is attributed to St. Francis, who brought a live nativity, a simple live nativity into town, helping bring broken people together in dark times. It's a way of calling the people to enter the story. Enter the story, the narrative, the story. Our fourth suggestion is one night in your living room or or your bedroom or wherever it is, sit in the darkness with a candle and gaze at a nativity scene. Just enter the story and ponder the mystery of the incarnation. Let the Holy Spirit speak. A fifth suggestion would be to pray through the Nicene Creed itself. You can find it as number 880 in your hymnal. You can just pause to savor it, especially that second part in there, which uh, was the original version, the bulk of the original version from the Council of Nicaea. This creed was revised about 50 years later at a subsequent council, the Council of Constantinople, I think it is, Constantinople. But the Nicene Creed does something Apostles' Creed doesn't do. It, it beholds the mystery of the incarnation and language of Jesus being begotten and not made of one substance with the Father. These are just five suggestions. John chapter 1, the icon of Christ, Pantocrator, the nativity scene, the nativity story, or pouring over the Nicene Creed. These are ways I suggest you pray through the mystery of the incarnation. It's changed my life over the years. I hope it changes yours. And now as an act of prayer, an act of worship, instead of a closing or customary closing prayer today, I want to invite you to join me in the Nicene Creed, which you can again find on page 880 of the United Methodist Hymnal. I'm going to speak it slower than usual so we can savor every word. May this be our prayer. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. 
of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen and Amen.